Yeah, we'll get to it in drinking. I've got I've got a beverage tonight. Uh, have you? I'm 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 considering a beer, but um, in in a major turn up for the books, uh, I think my weather's actually colder than yours at the moment. Yeah, you sound like you need a hot whiskey or something to warm yourself up. Yeah, well, or, or just a lot of whiskey to warm yourself up. Perhaps <laughs> that's the way forward. Yeah, one hot or one bottle. It's the same difference. <laughs> has the same impact overall. <laughs> yeah, we've uh, we've got some unseasonable sort of snowy, cold, blare stuff uh, going on, and um, the media has been full of it. Apparently, we had a mini hurricane yesterday, okay. whatever one of those might be. Um, I I did witness it uh, as I was um, I was looking at my little dog, encouraging her to. Uh, <laughs> to go to the loo as you do go pee pee go pee pee and suddenly it started raining at me from four directions none of which were straight down um, we have a covered terrace which is where we've put the uh uh the little the little uh do your business area for the dog i was out there and i was suddenly drenched from all sides it was extraordinary um hmm. The repaired yeah. roof turned out not to be quite as repaired as everybody had hoped. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was uh, just sort of instant soaked. It's I, I've never been on a trawler in the North Sea, but I imagine that's how it feels. <laughs> yeah, but distinctly less shrimp. <laughs> yes, yes. The seafood is nowhere near as good on my terrace. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's all a bit odd. But uh, yeah, part of... Life's rich tapestry. That's how That's we're going to mm. Yeah, we're just cold, but I can't complain. We're not getting many hurricanes or hurricanelets or whatever they're called. <laughs> hurricanelets. Patent that quick. Somebody write that down. <laughs> so, writing. Are you managing to write anything in the uh, tropical high weather season? Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I suppose one sort of upside of the uh, of the cold weather is I don't want to go out so I'm I've been quite sort of productive at my desk um writing uh with an in I'm still where where I was last week with uh uh our conversation with Andy which was uh, that was brilliant by the way I really enjoyed that no it's um, fantastic did, did a lot of listening which is most unlike me <laughs> but uh no it was brilliant uh, so yeah, I am writing uh, in a jot note, which is a a Leuchtturm nineteen fifteen. Um, it's a sort of A six little pocket notebook, very good. I was just laughing at it actually because um, you, you can tell it's German, and I know we have some German listeners. No offense, lads, but um, it comes with a little sticker set. And if you just bear with me a second, as I was just playing with this, and you get two stickers. One of which is is a little square one with some lines on it. The sort of thing that you might think that you would sort of write, you know, an index sort of entry or something. Yeah. And the other one is a little square one, which is it's just blank, um, just in case you you want to get creative, presumably. <laughs> um, and these two stickers come on a little uh, a little sort of mini page, which then has in three languages. Um, all of which I could actually speak, but I'll just do it in the middle one, which is in English. Please use this stickers for labeling the title and spine of your Leuchtturm 1917 book when you want to archive it. And I like the idea of all these German book designers being completely flipped upside down about the idea of someone not labeling it. 
Yeah, I, I, I just there was a sort of vague threat <laughs> to it, isn't there? Label the books. We will not tell please, you again. Please use these stickers for labeling the books. We will be checking. <laughs> yeah, we know. <laughs> and I was just, I was just reading that, and I was thinking, how diverse is is our little station? Field notes would have put something funny in there. Yeah, something tip of the tongue. Uh, Lloyd Turn put something in there that, that has that sort of hidden menace. <laughs> Label your books or there will be a price. <laughs> anyway, um, that's enough German stereotyping and uh, apologies for any offence calls, but I, it just, I just find it quite funny. It's um, very so I'm still using like that. It. it is efficient. You can't, you can't knock that. Um, and I'm still bullet journaling away. I mean, that's, I mean, that's almost three months worth now. Very exciting. Yeah, it's uh, a good few episodes. Pencil, uh, the 602 coming down to Steinbeck. It's it's at that sort of really, really nice stage now. Um, but I tend to burn through them quite quickly from, from this point on. Um, and, well, I suppose, oh, the standard memorandum. I'm still filling that Generally. in every day. Yeah. Fair enough. What about you? What are you, uh, what are you using and abusing? I busted out something something new today. Uh, I happened to look through the pencils I had in my office and find a Koenor Twassendor, the 1900, in 2B, which is a really nice Czech pencil. And yeah, lovely pencil. Bought a bunch of them when I was in Prague last, which was a good few years ago now, so I need to go back. But hadn't sort of forgotten how nice a pencil it is and how well it writes. And for a 2B, it's actually quite hard. Uh, it's very, very dark, but it, it, the point retention, it's really good. And so I was writing away all day today on various things, and it doesn't really need sharpened yet. Cool. Which is good. It's a nice change. Lots of them available. So lots of them available at Nero's Notes if you want one. Mm. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones people will not have tried anything quite like that. Uh, the the Czech pencils are uh, they're very different, I think, than the German ones that most people will be, you know, familiar with. Stadlers, which is what most people will have used mm. in their childhood, at least if they're from. Europe. Um, uh, American listeners will have no idea what they're talking about because it's uh, the great European continent miles and miles away. So if you get the chance to try one out, they're really good. Mm-hmm. And I'm writing... And what are you writing in? Still in my nomad space, which is being burnt through at a unusually high pace, I would say. I'm actually about two-thirds of the way through and I'm looking towards my next notebook, which is pretty good going for me. Yeah, good work. Sorry, I was not paying attention there, so I was just checking to see how far I was through my book. <laughs> like and, finished uh, last page, already done. Well, it's, it's a sort of um, it's a kind of perfect bind, so it's a bit difficult to say. You don't have a you don't have staples to to go by. Um, I have to say, a lovely book for pencil. Mm-hmm. I'm not wild about the paper for pen for pen, but uh, for pencil, it's just, it's beautiful. It's got a lovely sort of cream um, smoothness to it. It goes very well with my uh, my little black wing there. Um, so what about watching? You've been doing any of that? Yeah, the weekend I watched a, a film. I've started a list of films that I'm watching in 2019. Um, I want to try and watch 100 films at least in 2019. I'm trying to keep a list of those and what I thought of them. So I'm on about four so far. Uh, but I watched Wild Wild West, which is a Will Smith vehicle from the early 2000s. It's 1999. Mm-hmm. And uh, my goodness, is it garbage, but it's really, really good garbage. <laughs> Uh, the kind of 90s film where it has to end with a rap, you know, the, the whole yeah. thing ends with a rap and it's Will Smith rapping. It's steampunk, western, 
cowboys. It's utter tripe, but it's really fun. It's how to get more Will Smith um, on your screens, I guess. That was yeah. <laughs> the, the brief there, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was good. I enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. It wasn't a great film. I think it was probably about 17% on Rotten Tomatoes or something, but it's good crack. It's good fun. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I was watching uh, edutainment videos, so sort of Ooh. educational stuff. Um, I'll put them in the show notes, but there was one on biomimicry uh, for designing trains. They were sort of modeling the, the shape of the Japanese bullet train on a kingfisher. And another one about Technicolor uh, film stock and how they started doing that in the 50s and basically four or five reams of, of film concurrently processed to make really, really bright colors. And if you've ever seen like Kodachrome or Technicolor film, it's a very distinct mm-hmm. color profile for films and it's absolutely gorgeous and it's very hard to replicate it in an authentic way nowadays because we don't use film. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. something I'm quite interested in. I really love, this speci- uh, excuse me, specifically the yellows and blues are really, really nice in some of those footages. So it's something I'm trying to do with video, but it's a lot harder to do after the fact with effects than it was to do back then with the film, even though it was horrendously complicated. Oh, for sure. I, I shall look those out. It sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I'll stick them in the show notes. Uh, nothing quite as educational here. Um, I did just watch a couple of videos uh, a minute ago. Um, I was just refreshing myself on Ulysses, which I know is something I'm going to talk about at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. By Ulysses, I don't mean the novel by James Joyce. I mean the app um, that you can use to um, to write stuff. Um, but last night, uh, we had a request. I had a request from the sister-in-law. Um, Margaret's sister's uh, still here with us. Um, she she fancied watching uh, a mafia movie, so um, <laughs> we we went into Netflix Cyprus. Uh, you you can probably explain this to me. Why is it I can watch The Godfather two, The Godfather three, but I can't watch The Godfather? Ah, I can't explain it's, that. That sounds dumb. Licensing uh, nonsense. Yeah, some some rights thing. I suspect. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I couldn't bring myself to start with with Godfather Two, so uh, we went down a slightly different route and watched The Untouchables. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I've heard of it, never seen it, or I've seen bits of it, never the full thing. It was Kevin Costner being being Kevin Costner, um, uh, giving his his eyebrows a good workout, um, and uh, Sean Connery being Sean Connery. Okay, uh, uh, and a couple of times. Uh, Sean makes a sort of half-hearted effort to be the Irish Chicago policeman that he's supposed to be, um, but then just <laughs> gives it up and goes back to being Scottish. Yeah, um, like it's Celtic. It's close enough. You're from vaguely yeah, the same island. Exactly. I think I think he was probably thinking, look, most most of the audience probably aren't going to know. Um, <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> and it's the story uh, very, very loosely based <laughs> on the, the true story of the taking down of Al Capone, oh, okay. uh, which was yeah, yeah. achieved by a um, a treasury officer, not by not by the police. Yeah, it was tax um, evasion, wasn't it? Yeah, that's ultimately what they got him for. And so uh, uh, our man Costner plays plays the hero, and Sean plays his sort of uh, bizarrely straight cop. He's the only straight cop in Chicago. It would seem for for. Um, most of the film, although Andy Garcia turns up as a very sort of a very young Andy Garcia turns up as a as an ally later. 
Um, and for me, it's got one of the best, <laughs> the best movie lines that I, it's just one I always remember. Uh, Sean Connery is being stalked by, uh, by the bad guys, by Capone's gang. And, uh, there's one in his house. And the camera cuts to the, to the Italian hitman who's got a flick knife. And, uh, our man Sean has got a shotgun in his hand. Uh, and says, <laughs> typical WAP brings a knife to a gunfight. Um, uh, Unfortunately for Sean, um, th- this is a lure, and he's now lured out onto the fire escape where uh, another whop with a Tommy gun um, kills him until he dies from it. Um, <clears throat> oh, dear. But, but nevertheless, uh, as you may imagine, uh, in the end, the good guys win, uh, and everybody's terribly happy. And another great line is that Elliot Ness, i.e. Kevin Costner, is asked uh, by a journalist as he's sort of the final scene of the film is uh, uh, they're saying that prohibition is going to be repealed. Um, what are you going to do? Um, and he says, I think I'll have a drink. Uh, and there you go. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> so this is our movie podcast now. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, uh, uh, it's not often I see one, so I'll, I'll, I'll regale you with all the detail. That it's good. Is. It's The Untouchables is a good film. Um, I don't know what it got on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's, it's a pretty pretty well thought of film, I think. It's um I'm gonna forget now, but it's a pretty top notch is it Brian De Palma who directed it? That sounds right, yeah. Um and yeah, you know, I mean, there's a cast there of some some pretty good Yeah, names. Brian De Palma. Yeah. Do you know uh, the year? So Ooh, no, but it must be a while back. Not um, as far as you'd imagine. Uh, I'm going to guess 90s, is it? Close, 1987. 87, okay, all right, yeah. So uh, you would have been, oh, what, one? <laughs> no, uh, minus Minus four. two? <laughs> minus four, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So it wasn't that long ago, just before you were born. Um, <laughs> just 30 years ago, yeah. Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's move away from that pretty quickly. Swiftly what are you listening onwards? to? Listening after Andy prompted me about audiobooks last week in our interview with him, I actually went, you know what, I, I miss audiobooks. I went back and uh, had a look at my library and I had one sitting, waiting to listen to. And that one is uh, The Singularity Trap by Dennis E. Taylor, which mm-hmm. is a typical science fiction. I read three books by him before in a series, and this is kind of one outside of that series. Uh, still sci-fi, still very, very good, sort of space-faring era uh, not quite post-apocalyptic, but future you know, dystopia kind of thing. Lots of things happen. Don't want to give too much away. If you like science fiction and you like uh, nanites and robots and uh, spaceships and all that jazz, it's it's a really good read. And I've got the audiobook, so it's nice for my commute. And I'm really, really enjoying it. It's the same narrator as several of the books I've listened to. And uh, he's very, very good. Ray Porter, I think is his name. Uh, so it's very easy listening to. Very good. Well, uh, likewise, I was tempted um, or sort of shamed into looking back into my uh, Audible account because I hadn't listened to anything for a while, partly because I'm I'm up to date with all my podcasts, which is great. Um, and I would give a quick shout out for one that I found called the Write Along podcast. Um, I actually picked up the tip in uh, a Slack group that Harry C. Marks runs. Um, oh, okay, called cool. The, called the Writing Salon. Um, 
and it's uh it's about 25 minute 30 minute episode uh with uh i have no clue what his name is um a script writer david and cargill it says cargill is the um is the script writer uh, and he's been involved in some you know i think he's he's reasonably successful um and they talk about various things that are going to interest you if you're interested in writing stuff. Uh, so yeah, that, that's quite nice. Um, but the audio book that I've been been uh, blowing through is uh, Travelling with Charlie, which is uh, by Steinbeck. It's a, it's oh, a travel okay. journal, Charlie being his dog. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, if, if you like, if you like sort of American modern, then you're going to be quite keen on Steinbeck, and it's it's very very well written. Um, and I suppose for you, for you, it's the big pencil association with Steinbeck. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a really good read or listen. Um, and I've got oh I've got three four maybe five queued up. Um, and now that I'm sort of on top of podcast listening, and I'm getting into a bit of a routine here in the new office, then I have time to listen to these things. So I'm sure I'll start burning through them. That's good. Um, and I'm also reading as well. Um, Very good. Amazing. Uh, the, the one I've got at the moment is quite scary. I've only, I've only read one-tenth of it. Um, okay. Uh, it's called 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now. Uh, so I can say I've read 10% <laughs> of it because I've read one of the arguments. Oh, I see. There, I see how that works, yeah. Yeah, the kind of related uh, essays. So it's a BuzzFeed uh, article that spawned a book. Well, it's um, yeah, it's it's by a guy. I mean, I'll butcher his name. I'm sure it's uh, Yaron or Charon or Jaron uh, Lanier, um, and he, uh, by all accounts, was quite a, quite a big noise in Silicon Valley, um, and has been part of Silicon Valley since the early days. Uh, and you know, kind of knows exactly what all these uh, programs are doing. And I think he was uh, involved in Facebook in the early days. Um, and yeah, he's making ten arguments for immediately getting out of social media. And it, it's arguments that I'm sure a lot of people will have heard before. Um, but he does make them very well, and he hmm. does throwing quite a lot of sort of supporting evidence. Um, in the States, I think Silicon Valley is one of the uh, places with the highest intensity of technology-free schools. Wow. Um, you know, Steve Jobs very famously wouldn't let his, his, uh, his kids use iPads. Uh, that, that type of thing. Yeah, which you know, that's the sort of argument that always <laughs> always hits with me because I think you know, if you really want to know what people think of this technology, you know, do they use it? Do they let their children use it? Um, and the answer appears to be a resounding no. Um, so yeah, yeah that, that's kind of scaring me a bit. Um, and I managed to read a few pages before getting back into my Twitter feed. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's. It, it's interesting. It really is interesting to see uh, how that whole thing is going to unfold. Uh, what about you? Are you reading anything? Yeah. After finishing the first one, I immediately bought Matt Gemmell's second book and I've about 10, 15 pages into Tool. 
which seems okay, to be really, really good. Sounds like an endorsement. It. It's absolutely. I really enjoyed the first book. It was terrific. Real page turner. Uh, yeah. Just the right amount of thriller and sci-fi, and I really liked that it was kind of like James Bond, but European and a bit more sort of widespread. And there's a lot of physics and science, so it it really hit a lot of um, a lot of ticks for me. And oh, that's uh, great. the second I'm one really is definitely definitely the same kind of vein. Uh, I haven't quite worked out if it's a direct continuation of the same um, sort of phenomenon or if it's a different thing entirely, but with the same team. So I'm enjoying just sort of discovering the whole thing as it as it yeah out. i'll be interested to hear what you think because i um i think it's a better book i think it's better written um i think uh, the characters that you're going to meet are you know some are going to be uh, very well known to you already um and mm. it's quite nice to get a sort of you know slightly deeper knowledge of them uh, i don't know from from a sort of technical point of view i think you can see progression in the author which is great yeah I like the sense of place. There's a there's an opening scene. I don't think this is giving away much for anyone who's going to read it. There's an opening scene set in um, uh, what does he call it? Begins with S. Sorrento is it? Somewhere uh, in Italy. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Really, really, you know. And he spells it out for you. Like you can feel the sunshine and the heat, and you can smell the ocean. It's very, oh, where very she's, well. Written. She's running. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah the running. opening yeah. scene, and it's kind of I can see the film of this. You know, coming from the, the film background, I can see the movie in my head of what he's trying to, to, to sort of write and say. And uh, if he can get me to that kind of visual part with his writing, it's really, really good. Because normally it, it doesn't drag me in that quickly with a book. So I'm really enjoying it. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, okay, well, drinking. Um, I'd written down something warm. Um, and I, I did actually have a cup of herbal tea just a minute ago. Mm, for um, drinking, but that's that's now drunk. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm down in my little basement, and the only thing I've got here is a fridge. So uh, I may well be having a beer in a minute. What about you? Mm. You drinking anything? So in work, I've uh, started back onto the pod coffee, which is it's fine. You know, it's a Dolce Gusto uh, little pod machine, and you just chuck the americano in, and it makes it, and it's fine. And it didn't cost me anything, so it's there's no stress there. But um, when I got home, I thought I'd have something a little nicer. So I'm actually drinking a, a Swedish cider, a Copperberg strawberry and lime, which is very okay. good. I went halfway through, so I had that with my, my dinner tonight. And I'm sort of weaning it out, making it last all evening, because it's quite sweet, and so I don't want to drink it all at once. So I'm just kind of sipping away, but it's a pleasant accompaniment to a good podcast. Excellent. And how is uh, Domestic Bliss? Are you settling into the to the house and everything? Yeah, I mean, yesterday I spent about an hour and a bit uh, regrouting the shower with silicon or re-siliconing the shower, whatever you want to describe it. It wasn't pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, so the shower has been leaking on and off in the last couple of weeks, last couple of days, really. And so I think I've worked out what it is. It's the sort of the waste where the water goes. I think is maybe there's no silicon there and it's just leaking mm-hmm. or there's something funky going on. And so there's a lot of time spent on hands and knees with a an acrylic grout gun type thing. And yep. the fumes off those are not pleasant. So <laughs> basically sure. spent a bunch of time trying to fix the shower, which I think I have actually done, uh, but then sort of collapsing in a heap with a headache from fumes. So uh, the house is great. Some of the house tasks uh, are less than fantastic. For sure. But that's right. kind of the, that's the thing, I guess. Yeah, you take the rough with the smooth, I guess. Mm. What about you? And, uh, well... Uh, yeah, it sort of ties in with the with the buying thing. Uh, yeah, it's 
having sort of the winter weather here uh, and the house having been sort of not occupied for a while, they keep coming across things that I didn't even know happened that need to happen um, and things that I'm just not used to doing. So uh, oil central heating is something quite new to me. Um, mm -hmm. So we had to organize getting that refilled. Um, the inner workings of a septic tank I'm learning about. Um, uh, <laughs> joy of joy. Well, it, it involves uh, flushing some yogurt down your toilet. There you you need the bacteria? That's exactly it, yeah. Wow. Um, I That sounds like... I mean, it just sounds like a stomach, actually, but that's kind of a gross analogy. Yeah, no, I mean, it's not It's not far from the mark. I mean, the the reason that septic tanks, or a reason that septic tanks can, can start underperforming, if you'll excuse the expression, uh, is, is because we're too clean. And uh, there's a, a temptation to throw too many high-powered cleaning products into your septic tank through the dishwasher, oh, okay. the washing machine, yeah, yeah. the, um, you know, the... Your Domestos kills all known germs dead. It also kills all bacteria that's making your septic tank work. Um, so if you do a lot of that, then you will uh, stop the germ, uh, the, the bacteria, from doing what the bacteria should do, which is effectively eating the pupil. Um, hmm. And if it doesn't eat the pupil, then you can end up with, uh, again, without wanting to be indelicate, a gas problem. <laughs> so... <laughs> so there you go. So your Who house knew? is eating yogurt. Uh, yeah, my house is eating yogurt, um, and <laughs> uh, also we're as as young spice is is getting a little bit more adventurous now. We're we're a couple of weeks away from the time that she will be fully inoculated and allowed to sort of uh, run around like a mad thing. Um, and I'm just looking. There's an awful lot of garden to secure. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just bits and pieces that need doing. And, ah. Money, 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 money. Mm. Um, and yeah, what else? Oh, because I'm going back to the UK, I'm back for, uh, when's this show going to go out? Yeah, so I'm back for a pen show, the Southwest Pen Show. Uh, that's the Southwest of England, um, before anybody in America starts heading off somewhere. Um, it's uh, in Bristol on the, I'm going to say the third, is it? 3rd of February, 3rd or 4th of Sunday, whichever one that is. Uh, I'm just looking. Yeah, it's the 3rd. Uh, so I'm going to a pen show. Um, and while I'm there, I will be uh, popping back to see my mum and then going off to do some sort of corporate Cobra stuff. Uh, so that means that I'm ordering lots of things that are quite difficult or expensive to get here, uh, having them delivered to the office in England so that I can bring them back in my, in my hand mm -hmm. luggage. Uh, so there's quite a lot of golf balls and compression stockings. Oh, the glamour. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the uh, the credit cards are getting a hammering this, this month. What about you? Are you mm. buying anything? Yeah, somewhat similar. I picked up another Google Home Mini uh, just because I needed another one. Uh, and I say need with the, the strongest of emphasis. Um, they're on offer about £20 off at the minute. So I picked up another one for the other room, which completes the set. Uh, and then I started playing our Nintendo Switch again. So I got a little game called The Last Station, which is a fun little sort of side-scrolling platform horror game. Oh, which could crack. So I was playing it this afternoon when I got in from work. So just something to you know, just put a wee bit of time in. Relax. 
Excellent. Uh, okay, so I mean, life changes. I think we sort of covered. Um, yeah. Okay, well, for me, um, I've got to go back to Greek class on Wednesday. We've we've been off for the holidays. I've completely forgotten everything. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> uh, so so now I have to. Uh, uh, at some point tomorrow, I'll have to open the books again and look at that alphabet and go, oh, I don't understand it. Oh, what yes, is an it's all different like symbols. A P, um, <laughs> and all that sort of thing. Uh, and I'm writing again, which was sort of my, uh, oh, oh, is it a resolution? I don't know. It was a change I was very anxious to make, was to get going on that novel again, or mm-hmm. the fence panels, as it shall ever yeah. be known. <laughs> um so yeah, I've been I've been painting some some fence panels. And, How's it going? Uh, it's all right. Uh, it's a different book now um, from what I thought it was going to be. Uh, you know, some perspective and and I've been I'm conver- I, I, this is an episode on its own, but I've been converting from a pantser, which is a seat of the pants uh, sort of writer, uh, which as mm-hmm. far as I can work out is nonsense um <laughs> although people will then come back and say well stephen king does it like that uh and he's written a few um to a planner so uh i have a very sort of flabby uh sort of not terribly well woven uh meandering story that i wrote very quickly or i wrote in very quick spurts uh without a clear plan of where it was going and so now i'm i'm sort of sitting back and saying okay actually what is the narrative act of this i'm sort of storyboarding it that's probably the best way of putting it um and i'm going to try and well i have built a new structure around which i will take bits that i've written and sort of hang them off that structure where they fit um and and rewrite the rest Fair enough. And is it working uh, so far? Yeah, yeah. The structure is there. Um, I'm doing uh, this week is all about characters, so I'm doing some quite extensive character write-ups. Um, and on the advice of a friend, uh, who, Amanda Fleet, who's um, who's published a couple of novels, uh, she she recommends going deep on the characters because you you kind of want to know how they would react in every situation, even if that situation. Uh, isn't going to come up yeah because it colors everything yeah if you if you know uh know the characters inside out then i think you can make them much more believable Uh, and the last thing you want to do is make them do something that makes the reader go huh yeah that doesn't gel with what i think of them Hmm. yeah yeah so uh i'm sort of i'm being it's a much more disciplined approach uh both in terms of the amount of effort that i put in um, the milestones that I've put in, it's it's a bit more uh, sort of nose to the grindstone rather than flick your hair and look tortured. Um, so yeah, no, I'm pleased. I'm pleased with how it's going so far. Good stuff. I think we've sort of broadly approached the topic in about 32 odd minutes. Well, well, there we go. 32 minutes. That's up by our standards. Fairly average, I would thought. <laughs> what, what are we talking about today? So as the title might suggest... Today's episode is about backpacks and knapsacks and shoulder bags and tote bags and just bags of any sort. And this is a topic that I approached with, you know, I have a couple of bags. I have two or three that I use on a fairly regular basis. And I thought, you know, I can contribute to this. Little did I know 
the uh, the can of worms, the absolute terror that I was unleashing by asking you about this topic. Uh, and I received a, a message from you with what I can only describe as a small sports brand store's worth of backpacks on a bed. And that was the backpacks that I presumed that you'd sort of, oh, this is the before shot, this is how many I had. And I've now sort of weaned myself down. No, 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 no. Little did I know that is the after shot. And that is your current lineup of just the bags you've got in Cyprus, which must have been about 15. Uh, I'm just turning around to look. Um, (laughs) Yeah, let's say 15. Let's say 15. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, bags. They have been been a constant source of uh, both enjoyment and frustration for me. And uh, this this is the this is the moment that people think something happened on New Year's Eve, because this is somewhere where I have gone into a TJ esque depth of analysis and thought <laughs> to try and work this particular story out. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be sitting in the Stuart chair, going, "What is he talking about?" Um, I. For several years now, I have had a variety of identities, by which I don't mean that I'm, you know, James Bond by night or Sylvia on a Friday night. (laughs) I mean that uh, sometimes I'm the corporate cobra and I have to to wear a suit, a tie. I'm a a compliance professional. Um, And I'm working in the financial services industry. Uh, ripped jeans and a t-shirt with a messenger bag over your shoulder is not going to cut it. Mm. That There's a, a look that is expected. Other times, uh, hey, look, you know, I, I bought a notebook company. I've got a website that sells notebooks. Uh, I've, got, um, I've got a big record player with some great speakers and lots of vinyl in my office. And on a Friday afternoon, I have a scotch before I go home. Yay, cool. Shirt and tie is not going to work in that environment. No. Uh, and then uh, from time to time, as just discussed, I'm I'm the sort of tortured writer um, sitting around uh, in front of a computer or an iPad, typing away and coming up with a, the next great war and peace. Uh, and now to throw into that, I've moved to a, to a country with a climate that I don't really understand yet. Um, <laughs> But what I do know about it's going to be hot, hot, hot. So uh, carrying as little as possible Mm. is probably the way forward. And so I keep trying to buy the ideal bag. But the ideal bag for Monday might be very different from the ideal bag for Tuesday. Hmm. This sounds like me. Yeah. (laughs) And then the problem is that the ideal bag, one of the key things about the ideal bag is it must work on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't really want to be moving everything from your bag on Monday to Tuesday because you'll get it wrong. And I have done that frequently mm. where I've I've gone, okay, yeah, for this trip, I need this, 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 and I get to wherever I'm going and I haven't got half the things I need because they're in another bag. <laughs> and this is a problem that persists. Um, yeah. So yeah, that is, I, I honestly I have spent a small fortune on bags. Um, one of the ones in that 
photo that I sent you is um, is a Cariology collaboration with PackSafe. Uh, uh-huh. So, um, in broad terms, that's a Californian uh, bag, and it's got all sorts of groovy things like you can um, you can attach it to tables and. Uh, all sorts of functions that were asked for by the readers of Cariology, which is, um, are you aware of Cariology? Is it an EDC type thing? Yeah, Cariology.com. Do you want to know about bags? Uh, put that in the show notes and kiss goodbye to an hour. Um, <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's the erasable uh, for, for bags, if you like. Okay, okay. That's which I'm sure is going. an equally valid uh, sort mm. of diversion. Um, yeah, as a no, counterpoint, a... Mm-hmm. I have three bags that I'm going to talk about that I use okay. with any kind of frequency, and I didn't pay for any of them. Well, there you go, you see. <laughs> this is why you're going to die a wealthy man. <laughs> Not sure that's going to happen, because uh, I will spend it on other things, <laughs> like yeah. Google Homes, apparently. Um, yeah. I mean, so, the, the, what, what's yeah, your, what, do you, what do you carry to work now? I mean, what's so, your... Yeah, I have two bags that would be used, you know, construed as work bags. Uh, one of them is a shoulder-style messenger bag. Uh, it's made by, I think it's Nutsack Bags, and I was sent it for review. I'm still reviewing it. It's very, very nice. It's very, very good. Uh, it's like leather and uh, oil skin kind of material. Fantastically made, really, really sturdy. Uh, throw it over the shoulder, forget about it. Uh, it carries my 15-inch MacBook, the charger brick, a few pencils, some painkillers, sometimes a Kindle, and every now and again, a few odds and ends. Is this across your body or over one shoulder? Uh, over my back. So across the strap is cross body and the, the MacBook itself is obviously on my back. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, and so that is what I would typically take to work. Now, that is not what I've been taking to work recently because I find myself using my laptop less in work and more at home. And so mm-hmm. that that has been in this house since we got this house. has just been in the office. Um, right. So. I was going to work and needed something to you know, sort of t- cart small things and bits and pieces. So I have a, a Barnes & Noble, an old Barnes & Noble tote, which American listeners will know as a bookstore. I'm not sure if it still exists. Um, but I was given this old, sort of really nice, well-sewn-together green Barnes & Noble bag by my mother about 10 years ago that she bought when she was in the States probably 10 years prior to that. So it's an old bag. It's really, really sturdy. It's really nice. And it just looks like a standard tote, but maybe a little heavier. And mm-hmm. that is my go-to now for going to work. So my book goes in there, a small umbrella, gloves. And then if I stop to get milk or snacks and bits and pieces, or if I take my lunches to work, those go in there. And that's basically all it's for. Mm-hmm. And that's that's my work bags. That's what I take. And I, I haven't been taking the MacBook recently because it's been staying here. So the small bag, just jump on the train with a tote bag. Really easy, no stress. Sure. And those are really the bags. I didn't pay for either. The other one is a, an overnight bag for short stays. I haven't really done any long holidays recently. So anything from staying at a relative's house to you know, going down to Dublin at Christmas there, it's uh, I think it's a Ralph Lauren, like a like an overnight, uh, like a duffel bag kind of thing, mm-hmm. like a fabric duffel bag. I was bought it for Christmas one year. It's very nice. Um, and literally, that is my travel bag. There's a charger bag, a toiletry bag, and a clothes bag that live in there. And that is it. They all have, you know, it's set out ready to go for travel. So there's a, a bag of chargers in there. There's a bag okay. of toiletries in there. And there's a little like clothes divider bag. 
that I'm able to put some underwear and some clothes and t-shirts and things into that keeps it separate from the rest of the stuff. And so I can pack mm-hmm. in about six minutes from I need to leave to I am leaving. So that is my my go-to bag. And there's no stress. Meg could take, you know, half an hour to, to pack what she needs and find out what she needs. I can basically <laughs> ditch town in five minutes if needed. Sure. So well, those are my bags. And that's all that's I got. The famous, that's the famous go bag. Yeah. Talks about. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, first of all, why are you ever carrying a charger brick? Buy another one. Have one at work. One at home. Yeah. But what if I stop? Well, it's a MacBook. It's going to last for eight hours. Mm-hmm. How long are you wow. stopping for? <laughs> I don't know. I like the the facility to be able to just sort of be omni-locational. What I have noticed is that the MacBook chargers are distinctly lower value and lower quality, or the same value, if not more, but they're lower quality now. I have my Mm, old old MacBook and the charger cable is pristine. It's a little gray because it's old, but it's not kinked or anything. I'm very particular about the way I wrap them on the little pegs that the MacBook has. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm very, very careful to wrap it carefully every single time. And my original one, which is at least 10 or 12 years old now, perfect. My new work MacBook, which was brand new about a year and a half ago, is ruined despite the, exactly the same treatment. The cable is just not very good quality. Mm. No, no, you're, um, it's a a well documented sort of trend. The uh, yeah the charger issues. So um, I don't really want to spend more money on bad chargers. Uh, I I gave up carrying chargers a long time. I've got um, for any. <laughs> Any bit of IT, I've got at least three. One for the office, one for home, and one for travel if I need it. So Fair enough. Obviously, if you're going away for a weekend, then you do need to take something with you. Um, but part of that is because I you know, cable manage. So I have all the chargers and everything sort of tucked away and taped desks. And so um, moving a charger is a bit of a pain in the backside for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, Routine is is my problem, and not having one, <laughs> yeah, or or having one that changes, because I'd love to say, okay, this is my bag, and this goes with me everywhere, and I have a, a bag or two or three that that I would say, oh, these are my yeah, these are my favourite bags, yeah, and these are the bags that I could carry every day, but they're just not necessarily that good for certain functions. For example, I I love a backpack. Okay, so mm-hmm. I I hike. Um, I enjoy hiking very much. I enjoy the sort of modular nature of a backpack where, similar to your overnight bag, you have little bags that you put inside your backpack and everything, you know, has its place and it's great, fabulous. Um, but I can't carry one of those with a suit. No. Uh, a, because um, it's difficult to find one that looks right. And B, because it makes a mess of your jacket. If you if you put a uh, a backpack on and, and you know connect it up properly, it's gonna it's gonna crease your suit, mm. and that that just annoys me. It's not the end of the world. I appreciate it, but it just annoys me. So that rules that out. Same with a messenger bag. Messenger bag over a suit, particularly if you're slightly rotund like me, um, just ends up looking wrong and feeling wrong and. I end up with my jacket pulling in directions I don't want it to go. And <laughs> yeah. So then I'm I'm back to sort of normal shoulder bags or briefcases. 
you go, okay, well, that's great. I've got a, um, I've got a two me bag. Um, a two me bag. I assume that in the lining somewhere there are diamonds. Um, basing that purely on the price. I mean, you can spend hundreds of pounds on two me bags. Is this T M I? Yeah. And they are ballistic nylon, um, like many other bags that you can find. Uh, they're very well made. I'm prepared to give that, but they are astonishingly expensive. Yeah, I just and looked can, on the website. <laughs> yeah, and you oh, can get them in, in sets, you know, so the one that goes with the carry-on and all that stuff. And I've got uh, a little one of those. And I took the precaution of buying that in Finland. And given that everything in Finland is really expensive, it didn't seem so expensive then. Um, and it's 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 fine, it's great, but it's uh it's very stiff, uh, if that's right. It, it's very um inflexible. Mm. Um, you, you can get what you get in there, but you you can't really get any more. And if you sort of change your carry, you're going to struggle a little bit. Or if you pick up, uh, you know, going through an airport, you want to pick up a bottle of perfume or something it's not going to comfortably fit in that bag because it's very rigid so that's mm. and the other thing is if um it it, when i go to london this trip that's coming up i'm going to uh, get a train from bristol i'm going to a meeting in bristol after the pen show the day after i'm meeting a client in bristol then i'm going to get on the train go up to london across London to go and see another client. Then I'm going to head up to my hotel um, and, oh, yeah, uh, maybe meet some people for a beer. Anybody's uh, anybody's free in London. Um, and then the following morning, I'm going to get a flight. So I'm doing a lot of moving around. I will have my uh, some sort of overnight bag, which I imagine will be a wheelie. Um, I want a bag that's easy to carry on that sort of trip. And those uh, sort of shouldery bags that are not messenger bags. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't find them that easy to carry. Um, no. They slip off a bit. They're uncomfortable. They bang into people on the tube. They. Uh, that's where a messenger is great because it stays tight to you and you, you, know, you don't knock people out with it on tube trains. Um, but all of these things, they just cause me incredible anxiety where I think, well, yeah, no, that bag is not quite right. Oh, And this one, okay, when I'm going through the airport, can I attach it to a wheelie bag? And then, oh, what airline am I flying? How many pieces of hand luggage can you have? What size can they be? Hmm. And, I, I, and I, I just end up buying another bag that turns out to be useful for about two trips. <laughs> you have analysis paralysis? I think that might be it. Um you know, because I suppose I could turn around and say, I'm carrying this bag and therefore I'm not going to wear a suit, for example. Or yeah. I'm, I could start with the bag rather than end with the bag. But I'm genuinely sitting here now and I keep wanting to turn around and look at the bags, which is difficult because <laughs> I, I go away from the microphone. <laughs> Do we need to post a picture on your Instagram so people can see how many bags we're talking about here? Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to work out um, which... which Wow, you know, what sort of thing I'm going to go for? And that's before we get into your overnight bag there. Yeah. Because overnight bags, I've got three. I've got three wheelies of different <laughs> sizes and shapes. I've got um, I've got a really nice leather sort of holdall, um, which sounds a bit like your duffel. 
Um, I've got several sports bags um, and I've got a little Kipling sort of bag that has served me really well because it weighs about an ounce, um, mm-hmm. but just, just seems to get bigger and bigger all the time. It expands really well. Um, and it's, uh, again, these, uh, here we go. It's my anxieties being played out on, on the radio. Um, <laughs> these wheelie bags, wheelie bags, the ones that I've got tend to be made to be a mobile office as well as somewhere you can put clothes, mm-hmm. which is a fabulous idea until you try and use them. So when, when I go somewhere and I'm staying in a hotel or check into the hotel, I want to leave all that stuff and I want to take a small bag with just the things that I might need for a meeting or, you know, to be corporate. And you're, you've got this huge mobile office thing with all your pens are clipped in and your pencils are in all the place and it all looks really neat. But it means that for a sort of, you know, from a hotel to a conference, you've got to walk 10 minutes with a big rolly bag. You look like an air steward. <laughs> I said, oh, no. <laughs> so, so then I want... I want a briefcase or whatever it's going to be that's going to fit inside that wheelie bag or attached to it so that I don't have the inconvenience of when I've got both at the airport. Oh, honestly, TJ, the things I put myself through trying to work this it all is, out. Yeah, this sounds like one of those things where people like knives too much and they're like, well, I need a knife to open the packaging for new knives and I also need a knife to shave wood and sharpen pencils. But then, I mean, I can't forget the knife that I need for uh, whittling small wheels when I'm at the beachside. You know, it's just, there will always be scenarios where something is better than something else, I think. And you're in that, and I'm all too aware of this, this is coming from a very personal place. Um, You're in that spiral of, well, I need for this, therefore it needs to be a completely different thing. And you're trying to basically optimize for perfection in every area, which there is no bag which is perfect for all of this. It doesn't exist. So what you're trying to do is find a bag that is perfect. And so you're just buying bags and then going, well, it's great for that, but not for this. I think the solution here is to buy a bag that is not perfect. Buy something that is on the whole, if you looked at every single thing you do, is hitting as many sort of five out of tens as possible and as few zero out of tens as possible. Because something yeah. that is good for a meeting and good for overnight and good for thing, but not great is still better than something that is great for meetings, but terrible for literally everything else. But that's the thing, you see. So, okay, look, I'm going for, I'm flying on the Friday and I'm back on the Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And during that time, so on Friday, I land at about midnight. Um, So somebody's picking me up and taking me to my mum's house. Mm -hmm. Um, I shall wake her up in the early hours of the morning. Uh, She'll be delighted about it. Then I'll go to bed. I'll get up in the morning and I will sneak off to play golf. So um, I need to have some golf kit. Not um, golf clubs and stuff. I've got those at home, but I uh, I need uh, to, to have some clothes to wear. So I'll be traveling and then I'll have golf stuff. The Sunday, I'm off to the pen show all day. Uh, and I could do it in golf gear. In fact, I sometimes do do it in golf gear because I've got some ridiculously bright clothes, which um, <laughs> it's a good thing. Then. Yeah, it's a good thing to sort of wear a a pencho. But then I've got the the Monday when suddenly I have to be corporate Cobra, so I need a set. So I have to have some sort of wheelie bag stroke um, overnight bag. Then I've got to have all the stationery, electronics, all of that stuff, and some sort of uh, bag that I can take to meetings. 
So there, I've already got a two-bag system. There yeah, are you've got a trips. lot of scenarios there. That is not There the are other trips where I won't need two bags, and I can just have one that does both. As you say, you can, you know, a clean shirt, some clean underwear, and you're good to go. Um, so there you go. You see, that's already three bags I need. So I'm only, <laughs> let's say, 12 or so over. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I'm looking at them again. <laughs> it's wonderful to find something that you're just as nuts as I am on most things about. I just, I just, every time I think I've got it sussed, um, because I really like, I, I suppose, like, I really like the whole sort of, this is slimmed down. I'm not carrying too much unnecessary stuff. I've got the stuff yeah. that I need. This is great. And I say the one that really trips me up there is then I go to the airport and go, oh, Margaret would like one of those. Oh, where am I going to put it? Oh, because I, I hate those people that go onto the aeroplane with uh, two bags and 16 bags full of duty free. <laughs> yeah. Flaunting the system. <laughs> yeah, I just want to punch those people as they walk down the aisle, knocking people over. And, um, so I don't want to be that guy. So if I buy if I buy something, I want to slip it into my bag, and then my really slim down. Everything's got its place, and it's really doesn't work anymore. Mm. So again, it all feeds into the uh, into. Oh no! Now I'm the guy with the duty free bags. Oh, what am I going to do? If you want to spend some serious time on this, what you need to do, this is basically a computer science problem of optimization. Uh, So you can sit down and write all these variables out and work out which variables have, um, you know, scenarios where it's, you can be suboptimal, but still fine. So if you rock up to a pen show with a bag that is too fancy for a pen show, no one cares. If you rock up to a meeting where the bag is clearly underdressed in comparison to you, you might have some knock on effect. So there's scenarios there where you can go, okay, this doesn't matter, so we can go in favor of that. What that does matter, we need to make sure this isn't sort of catered for. And you can sit down, you can work that all out, and then you can find the optimum solution. And it may be three bags, and it may be a cupboard full of shameful bags at home, but um, I'm not sure. But it, it is, it's eye-opening to me. <laughs> it's its scary stuff. It is scary <laughs> stuff. I, I mean, I, I suppose I've got a couple of weeks to work this through. Um, before I go, um, and uh, yeah, I'm part of it will be what can I sort of get through airports and on tubes and off tubes yeah. and on trains uh, effectively with? Because actually, I don't think I need to take any IT to speak of. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly I don't take a Mac, I don't take a MacBook anymore anymore. Um, I don't, my MacBook is now sort of permanently in clamshell mode, attached to a um, a monitor. I use a, an iPad if I'm traveling uh, because I don't think it's ever likely I'm going to be doing anything that requires um, too much sort of Mac processing power. Yeah, heavy lifting. Or, um, well, actually, I mean, the iPads are probably more powerful than the Macs, now, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Um, so that does sort of change it a bit because it used to be that, um, you know, it would be a big planner for me and a big laptop and, as you say, the charger and all the bits that go with it or in the Apple world, 234 dongles to make anything work. <laughs> um, hmm. And I can probably slim that down now, but then you get into, um, or then I get into, okay, so where does that sit with my wheelie bag? Does it yeah. Does it clip on? Does it go in? Does it, I don't know. It's an interesting um, one for me because I know that I was very different than this six or seven years ago 
whenever I didn't have a MacBook and I was yearning for a MacBook, this is just before I went to university, uh, I read a lot of, I haven't seen that uh, Cariology site, but I've looked at a lot of things like that with EDC and I'd look at countless, countless pictures of people's setups and what they carry with them every day and what they have and the different setups they have and bags and I'd work out sort of my ideal, well, I need to be able to do this and this and I want to be prepared for this eventuality and have that and do this. And then I got the MacBook just before I left for university and I decked out. It's a poor North Face bag, which has been beaten and bruised around the the world. Uh, I still have it. It's fantastic. But it was full to the brim of literally everything. I had tiny knives. I had camera cleaning kits. I had you know, knife and fork and spoon all connected together like a traveling set in case I needed to eat somewhere. I had literally everything for every eventuality all stacked up in this bag. And then I toted it to campus. Bear in mind, I lived on campus. So it was like 12 feet from my dorm room to where I was doing class with Mm -hmm. the MacBook and all this crap. And I did it for about a week. And then it was, this is actually really super heavy and I never use any of this. Why is it in my bag? And then it's slowly the declutter, slowly the, have I used this in six months ever? Will I ever use it? Probably not. And if I need it, is it that difficult? I mean, you do this with so many other things. This is why it surprises me with bags. It's the idea of, well, I don't need it unless I can't buy it somewhere. You know, rock up and maybe you need a knife and fork. Is it going to really matter if you eat your hands this time? Or if you go and get a plastic knife and fork from the shop, you lose things where you don't necessarily need to have capacity for these things. And I slowly worked out, I don't need capacity for this. I don't need to be prepared for that. I don't need something in case of this. And now I've weaned it down. That some days I leave the house without any bag and it's fine because I know that I have some stuff in my office and I have some stuff in mm. my jacket and I have some stuff at home. And so like your MacBook charger where you've got sort of provisions at every sort of port, the traveling and the, the bits and pieces in between mattered less and so it was a case of well if i don't have it for then then i'll just do without and you know i think there's an element here of yes you probably have a lot of things you need and you definitely have a very unusual situation that you have so many different kinds of sort of event and, and thing you're doing on in the one trip it's it is unusual but even then i think there's areas of duplication and probably capacity that you do not need and so there's areas oh, i think definitely slim down. i mean definitely a lot of it is, um, you know, I want to look cool at the airport. I want to look like I know what I'm doing, <laughs> that I, I fly a lot, because I do. Um, and, uh, you know, probably my favorite uh, bag, I've got um, a, a soft briefcase, you know, like a classical leather. Um, it's got sort of little, two little clips on the front, a legal briefcase, you might call it a soft, soft yeah, yeah, legal yeah. briefcase. I think I have one as well. Um, and it's it's lovely. I mean, you put a strap on it to put it over your shoulder, it looks horrible. But if you've got it in your hand, it looks great. You know, it's classical and it's actually got quite a lot of capacity that can mm-hmm. expand with whatever you're carrying. It's great. But if you're carrying that through an airport and, you know, on a tube and blah, blah you, you are tying up a hand <laughs> for the duration of that, that yep. travel. When I was... Um, uh, swanning about in a little sports car. It was perfect. You know, I could have that on the seat next to me. I go to my meeting and you just throw it back on the seat and you drive away. And and that was fine when I lived outside of London and I was going from meeting to a meeting to an office. That, that, great. But the minute you put in some travel, uh, it's not a great bag for that. 
but yeah, then, it's impractical. Yeah, then you start getting into, okay, so I've got this bag and that's cool and I can do that. And then for me, I look at the weather and go, oh my God, what clothes am I going to have to take for this? <laughs> oh no, I'm going to have a massive coat. What If I've got a massive coat, what, but, oh, oh. And you're absolutely right. I mean, to be honest, of the bags behind me, probably 70% will be fine <laughs> for, for what I actually need. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's things like, oh, I just want a really small bag. And then I'm looking right now, I'm looking at the, uh, the, the case for the headphones that I'm wearing. Um, cause I got, um, remember we were talking about headphones way back. Mm-hmm, I got the mm-hmm. Bose comfort headphones. They're, you know, noise reducers, brilliant for flying. Fantastic. But hey, they're kind of bulky, you know, the, the tiny little STM messenger I've got put these in. I'm not going to be able to fit the uh, iPad in. Yeah. So it's going to be a big rucksack or it's going to be uh, a big wheelie bag and, you know, everything lives in the wheelie bag. And when I'm being corporate, I will just have a notebook in my hand. Is ultimately Yeah, I guess that's part of it. You can decant. I mean, take a bag and roll one up on the bottom. Or here's another one. Sell all your notebooks, sell all your bags, sell all the, the sort of accumulated stuff. Hire a man servant and just have them carry <laughs> things. Uh, listen, if I, I I could just sort of distribute. If I sold the bags, I could just buy houses in all the places I was going instead. <laughs> I do like the idea of like a Monty Python-esque uh, servant running around with a big stack of bags behind you. And you're just like, MacBook? No, 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 no. iPad? <laughs> yeah. iPad? Yeah, Messenger. I, I want a Messenger bag. Messenger bag. I want, no, hang on. I want a black polar neck. Trimmed beard and over-the-body messenger. Thank you. Uh, oh, no, no, hang on, hang on. Get me some cufflinks and that leather briefcase. Immediately. <laughs> oh, oh, hang on, we're going to the city. Braces. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it would be quite nice, actually. I'm seriously considering how I can make that work. Um, but it, it's de- I, my problem definitely stems from the whole chameleon thing. Because I do... Um, you know, I want to be the notebook guy. Yeah. Until I don't want to be the notebook guy. And then I want to be the, uh, the AML consultant. Um, I don't, <laughs> you should see my daily rage. What? <laughs> um, <laughs> there are other times I just want to be, oh, look, this is all nonsense. You know, give me a carrier bag. Uh, and, uh, that, that's, there we go. We've got to the, the base of my neurosis. It's got nothing to do with backpacks or knapsacks. It's that I'm not sure who I am, TJ. Oh. There, there we are. You're a very nice man. Oh, you see, you can fool most of the people most of the time. <laughs> so Tesco bag, bag for life? Uh, well, um, I'm not sure that's going to go terribly well on the airplane, is it? Um, no, like I said, I think it will end up, it will be a roller bag because that's the most practical thing for all that traveling stuff Mm -hmm. um and then it's what goes with that do i want something that i put on top of it that you can you know you have ones that slip over the handle yeah they they click in it's like a modular set yeah i've got a couple of bags that are able to do that um or do i just say look everything goes in the wheelie bag except for um you know whatever i need for my corporate stuff is maybe an iphone in one pocket and a pocket notebook in the other yeah, go deliberately minimalist. Yep, and you know, if um, if I'm wandering around London and I see something I want, I'll carry it home in a 
plastic bag like everybody else does. Yeah. I mean, there are some of those really, really tiny, tiny bags you can roll up in like a backpack, knapsack type thing. You roll up into a pocket, so maybe that's something. Buy more bags is what I'm saying. (laughs) The answer is always more bags. (laughs) Whatever the question, it's more bags. Much like pencils. Yeah. Accumulation is key. Well, that went in a direction that I certainly wasn't expecting. (laughs) Would you say that we have this episode in the bag? Hey, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> most people have lost the will to live now. They, they came, I feel they like came this is what it's like from your perspective every single week when I talk about things. So my my deepest sympathies. Well, they they, they came. They, I don't know what you're trying to say there, but they they came along this week. You know, because oh yeah, Andy Wellfleet. Yeah, that was cool, wasn't it? Who's this guy talking about bags? What what the hell's he? What's the matter with him, <laughs> fool? <laughs> You've got a nice bag. Stick with a nice bag. Takes um, all sorts. And uh, yeah, so the next 16 episodes, uh, we'll just do one bag an episode. Yeah, perfect. I think maybe, maybe a 40-minute segment should cover it. Uh, well, we'll do the first 30 minutes on whatever movie we've been watching. We'll do a movie review at the start, and then we'll do uh-huh. 40 minutes on the bag we've been using, and then we'll just scrap the rest of the podcast. Oh, there we go. That sounds <laughs> like a perfect plan. <laughs> right, well... I've been Stu Lennon. And I've been TJ Cosgrove. Remember to make the past, the present, in the future. This was 1857. Hold the phone, not quite yet. We have a few late entries for our 2018-2019 New Year's Eve edition. Uh, So Stu and I thought we'd just include them here at the end of the episode because they're really good and we don't want to let them go to miss and we want people to hear them. So here we go, two responses, uh, both excellent, and enjoy them very much. Hello, Joey from Baron Fig here, asked to think a little bit about 2018 and 2019. In 2018, uh, we had a lot of internal changes, stuff that we don't really talk about and uh, stuff that I won't really go into. But what I'm most proud of about 2018 is the fact that from the outside, uh, we only had positive change. Uh, it sounds like terrible things happened, but terrible things did not happen. But we were just challenged internally as we're growing and facing those challenges was uh, a surprise. You know, I've never, um, this is, this is the first time I am running a company. I'm 32. Uh, who knows? Maybe it'll be the last time. But anyway, a lot of these things that we were faced fa- that we were faced with in 2018 were completely new to me and a lot of people here and I'm proud that we were able to not only um keep going and overcome them in terms of not missing a beat but we added beats you know to 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 use that metaphor as we we not only sustained the status quo but we released even more products that I'm proud of we did more campaigns. We did more experiments. We grew the website. The website is so tremendously different now than it was at the beginning of 2018. It's beautiful, and and you know Peter here has done a phenomenal job programming, um, and of course Jay has continued to do fantastic logistics work on on keeping all the products in tip top shape, and Andy taking care of the customers at every every turn, and Lara now a newest member of our team really helping us spread the word. Uh, So 2018 was a transformative time for us. 
Uh, and I'm, I'm happy to say that not only did we face the transformation with uh, Gusto, but we actually um, had one of the best years of growth uh, since we started. So speaking of starting, in 2019, I believe we will we'll hit our five-year mark. I've personally been working on Baron Fig for <clears throat> six years, I believe. Uh, it took a year to launch the company. And uh, five years in, we have a few surprises planned and also a few, um, well, we got a lot of surprises planned, I suppose. Big things and experiments. Not that, I'm so sorry, but there's, there's not a whole lot I could say. But then again, you wouldn't want it spoiled. You know that. It's much more fun to see it happen. It pop up in your email inbox or you you encounter it on the website and you you know you get surprised and excited rather than having to wait months and months to see something uh so again in 2018 uh sorry 2019 we're gonna push a little bit more uh try new things as always and see where we can push the 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 boundaries of what it means to be a thinker and also what of course what it means to be a thinker company providing goods uh, so I'm, I'm excited. You're going to start seeing new things around our anniversary. Um, I'm not going to say when that is exactly. If you want to dig, it's not too hard to find. And then from there, every few months, we're going to have something, uh, <laughs> knock on wood at least, we're going to have something that um, is really fun and interesting and, and new. And of course, spread throughout that uh, in between all these times we're going to have limited editions and and fun collaborations and things and we'll keep we'll keep it interesting i promise and you know not only for you guys but we like to keep it interesting for ourselves here at parent fig and we like to have fun and just to wrap up i want to say thank you you know for everyone out there who is a a parent fig customer uh it means the world to us and i don't say that lightly at all uh you guys are allowing us to to keep going and that's that's um, a gift and that you're giving us and hopefully we, in the products and the goods that we design and put our hearts into that that's a gift that we can hopefully give to you in some sense and I uh, just want to say thank you thank you thank you and uh, here's to another year of of uh, playfulness experimentation hard work and fun and I hope that uh, everyone listening also fills their lives with the same Yes, all right, that's quite enough of that. Uh, Well, thank you very much for inviting me to come and uh, give a few words about the joys of 2018 and what lies ahead for 2019. Uh, It's been a fairly checkered year, I think it's fair to say, and that we had plenty of interest from all of the lovely people in the fountain pen and stationery world. not least Stuart himself at Nero's Notes, of course, and their incredible resources of many marvellous paper things. Um, And plenty of our friends in the fountain pen world too. Big shout-out, as ever, I think, has to go to Kaveco, a never-ending source of wonder. And on the slightly distant side, I think it's been one of those years when a lot of people have been getting very busy, and perhaps uh, a few of our early founding members moving on to other things, other hobbies and activities. So, the year ahead looks pretty exciting in that there are lots of new 
Small fountain pen makers actually starting to get in touch and a few old brands and old makers starting to come out of a woodwork with fresh energy, which is always pretty interesting. And we hope one or two new reviewers and testers and bloggers getting involved too. And how that works out? Well, come back in a few months' time and see. In the meantime, we look forward to meeting you all in cyberspace. United Kingdom, Inkton, I should say. Over and out. <laughs>